You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. The serious side of the J. Rao Show is coming up next right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 No more, it's none of my business. No more, I'm sure they'll work it out. No more, boys will be boys. No more, I'll say something next time. No more, why didn't she tell anyone? No more, she was flirting with him. No more, she's too smart to let that happen. No more, not my problem. No more, he didn't mean it. No more, why doesn't she just leave? No more, he said he was sorry. No more, she was drunk. No more, she was asking for it. No more, she seems just fine to me. No more, she should have been more careful. No more, we don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. No more. No more. WWE Superstar Big Show here to tell you if you've been drinking, get a ride. Take a cab. Find another safe way to get home. Cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving. They will see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Online radio at its best. Online radio at its best. Hey, 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 good stuff. If you're ready, map of the south. Let's do this. I'm telling you, I am first. Very honored that you would join me tonight. He has a very limited time spot, so we want to bring in Mr. Alan Sowell right away. Hey, how are you, Kathleen? You know what? I'm going to make you do what I do, baby. Man, what's crack a baby? What's crack a It's time for the serious side of the Jay Rowe Show. Don't try to call me out, princess. You can take your love and true purpose and stick it. She's a bitch. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network. Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. A White House official tells NPR that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo recommended that President Trump fire the State Department's Inspector General. NPR's Tamara Keith reports this latest firing of a federal watchdog has prompted a congressional investigation. The chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the ranking member of the Senate Committee on Foreign Relations, both Democrats, announced they've launched an investigation into President Trump's firing of State Department Inspector General Steve Linick, requesting documents be preserved and information turned over to the committees in a week. They say Linick had opened an investigation into potential wrongdoing by Secretary of State Pompeo and that Linick's firing may be illegal retaliation. A White House official says that Pompeo recommended Linick be removed and that President Trump agreed. This is the latest in a series of moves by Trump to oust inspectors general before their terms were up. Tamara Keith, NPR News. Eleven firefighters are recovering after responding to a building fire in downtown Los Angeles last night. They were injured in an explosion that sent a ball of flame shooting from the building and scorching a fire truck across the street. L.A. Fire Chief Ralph Terrazas. As they initiated their exit, that's when the explosion or flash is being described as both things, an explosion or flashover occurred. 
Three firefighters are listed in critical condition, but officials say all are expected to survive. Officials say the building that caught fire was a warehouse for a hash oil manufacturer. Hash oil is used in vape pens, edibles, waxes, and other cannabis products. On the Georgia coast, hundreds of people gathered this weekend to push for change following the death of Ahmad Arbery from member station WABE. Emma Hurt reports that first on the protesters' wish list is the resignation of two district attorneys. The rally at the Brunswick Courthouse featured many masked people who had caravaned down from Atlanta and elsewhere for the occasion. Here's local NAACP President John Perry. There's been a lot of darkness for a long, long time. But Ahmad's death sounded off an alarm. Activists are demanding the resignation of two district attorneys who made no arrests on the case and ended up recusing themselves because of ties to Gregory McMichael. Georgia State investigators and the Department of Justice are looking into those prosecutors' handling of the case. For NPR News, I'm Emma Hurt in Brunswick. Afghanistan's rival leaders have signed a power-sharing deal aimed at ending a political stalemate. A spokesman for President Ashraf Ghani announced the agreement on Twitter today. Ghani's rival, Abdullah Abdullah, had disputed the results of September's presidential election. And under the agreement signed today, members of his team will be included in the cabinet and he will lead the Council for Peace Talks. This is NPR News. Coming up next on The Serious Side... More than anything, this pandemic has fully, finally torn back the curtain on the idea that so many of the folks in charge know what they're doing. A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Loved ones of Breonna Taylor grieving and outraged. The 26-year-old Louisville first responder shot eight times and killed by police. Just to know that she um, died like that in the comfort of her own home. Welcome to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show with Kathleen Williams, Mrs. Vanessa Maybell, Mr. Jerome Esprit, the official texter of the show, Mr. Johnny D, and Mr. Elias. Now here is your host, J. Ryle. Good morning, I'm J. Ryle, and welcome to the serious side. And here are the topics that we will be discussing this Sunday morning, May 17th, 2020. <laughs> President Obama does it again in a commencement speech to graduating high school seniors on Saturday. He took another shot at the Trump administration on how they handled the coronavirus. This is the third time in the past few weeks that Obama has criticized the current POTUS, POTUS, or however you want to pronounce it. Is this a look at what's to come for the next six months? And the serious side was going to welcome a public court judge, Ruben Young, but that's been rescheduled. But that's okay. We're going to hear from the judge. And when we get up on the show, we're going to talk about, okay, what's going on with the Republicans and all of the judges that they're putting on the courts across America? That conversation will be at a later date. And DWB, Dying While Black, Kentucky police shot and killed Breonna Taylor on March 13th while executing a search warrant. Breonna was a first responder. And an EMT, which are the same. Circumstances surrounding this case, like most of these types of cases, are a little murky. You hear from different sides of the story who's telling the truth. But I tell you what, I put my money on the folks who are out there protesting this senseless, 
since the shooting. But as always, I never share the stage by myself. Let me let me bring you in. Let me bring in some of the very best in the business. My big sis is in the house. Good morning, Miss Vanessa Maybelli from the Macinelli. Always bringing it to us raw and uncensored, and that's that Southern style. What's going on, Vanessa? How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Good morning. It's raw and uncensored, and sometimes people don't like it. But good morning to everybody. Happy <laughs> Sunday. They just have to. Just have to grin and bear it. That's right. Don't worry about it. Speak your, your body. Steal your shine. <laughs> Good morning, Vanessa. Thank you so much for being here. And, of course, the very lovely, and when I say lovely, this woman is just, when I tell you, if you need some help medically, she can be there for you. If you need some help legally, she can be there for you. If you need some calming influence and a radio personality, she can be that for you. And if you need just to hear the word of God in a good prayer and someone to just wish you well and let God's blessings shower down on you, she can assist you with that as well. Let's bring in my other sister, Miss Kathleen Williams. Good morning, Kathleen. How are you doing this fine Sunday morning? Oh, so what a beautiful intro. Thank you so much, and to God be the glory. I am doing well this morning. Thank God. It's so good to hear your voice. It's good, good to hear your voice as always. I can listen to Kathleen talk for hours. That's just how beautiful. Good morning, I just love her. Love her to death. Hey, Sister Vanessa. Now, the next man who I call the educator brother, he is my little brother. I love this man beyond words can describe. He also brings a certain amount of intelligence, a calming uh, a calming tone to his voice. He is in the house this morning. Let's say good morning to Johnny D in the place to be, man. Good morning, John. How you doing? All right. Good morning. Good morning. I'm, I'm doing well, uh, considering, uh, you know, all the things that uh, I'm currently going through, but I, I am thankful to be here uh, to see another day and, and serve God's will and my purpose. Uh, Jay, I, I, I look forward to this show each week. Like I said, it's a liberating experience. So I do greet uh, Ms. Vanessa, Dr. Williams, Jerome, Les, and yourself, and all our listeners who allow us an opportunity to come into their homes. Um, I, I will tell you this right here. And until you, you, you spoke of uh, so eloquently about God and you was introing uh, Dr. Williams, I wasn't too sure if you wasn't going to ask her out for a date as as, as highly as, <laughs> as as you illuminated her, her, her well-deserved introduction. But, uh, again, yeah. I am just thankful for being here. And uh, if I do have to cut away, then uh, I, I think Jay understands why. So, um, but, again, yep. thank you for the opportunity to, to serve in this capacity each week. Absolutely, and uh, you know, definitely before we get the show started, if you want to speak to that, you can. It's entirely up to you, and you know, because we are all family, and you know, people that listen to our show are considered family. I think they've been through the highs and lows with us, and so you know, once we before we get started, you know, if you want to speak on it, you can. If not, it's up to you. All right, the man who gets the first and last word here on the serious side, uh, you know, this guy is really the boss around here. People say think it's me. It's really this guy. He's the one that really tells me what I can and cannot do, even though I don't like him. I love him. Let's bring him in, Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you? Wow. Good morning. 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 
the number is 347-850-1272. Our colleague, Mr. Jerome Spree, who brings us on a weekly basis, on a need-to-know basis. And, of course, he has his thing with the Spree Radio. Uh, he usually joins us after his commitment with Clear Channel. But until then, we hold it down. Chat room should be open. We'd love to hear from you. And like I said, now, Johnny, I don't know if you want to speak to it. If not, we can definitely jump into the show. Now, we will. We had to reschedule appellate uh, court judge Ruben Young. Uh, I can't wait until he comes on because it's always good to talk to someone who's in the mix and get their opinion on certain things. So, John, if, if you want to, it's floor is yours. If not, we can just jump into the show. Entirely up to you. Well, I tell, I, I tell you what, uh, I'd like to say one thing that, that uh, I, I appreciate about the show is the, the family atmosphere and then also the, the transparency. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned before that, that my father had, had been ill and uh, this past week uh, he, he had a, another stroke and um, and uh, he's not doing favorable. So at this point in time, you know, our family has, has stepped in and uh, we're just um, praying that God's will be done at this point. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I have well, got my I, 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 got my prayers. Absolutely. It's been a tough, tough year. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I, I lost my pops a few weeks ago. You know, to, to, at the beginning of the year, we lost, you know, Miss Delias's mom, and and uh, which you know, I affectionately call my mom as well. And you know, Kathleen going through what she's went through. It's been a tough 2020, and you know, and the hardships are still coming. So uh, you know, we ask that you. Our listeners, pray for this radio family because just like you all, we go through trials and tribulations as well. You know, Vanessa has some health scares as well. So during the show, at the end of the show, matter of fact, at some point in the show, I'm going to ask Kathleen to, to give us some uh, some words of, uh, of inspiration and healing uh, because I think it's needed uh, for this environment and for, you know, things that we as individuals are dealing with on the show. The number is 347 So now, you know, without any further ado, we have a lot to get into. So uh, let's do it. More than anything, this pandemic has fully, finally torn back the curtain on the idea that so many of the folks in charge know what they're doing. A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Last night was a celebration across the nation for all graduating seniors. You know, 2020 has been an odd year with the coronavirus. Most schools shut down early for safety precautions, and so a lot of high school seniors, which we all know growing up, those were some of the happiest times. You know, we got just to go to prom. We got the opportunity to walk across the stage. We had the opportunity to throw our hats in the air. Well, these people are not experiencing that. These young seniors are not experiencing any of that this year. And so LeBron James produced, which was, I mean, I loved it, a celebration for the class of 2020. And the person who gave the keynote speech, the commencement speech was, that's right, President Obama. And during his speech, he took the opportunity to take some shots at the current administration. And so as we begin this morning's conversation, let me start off with you, Mr. Elias, because I've been reading some things. People are saying that, you know what, how is this any different than what Trump said in front of the Boy Scouts? He took this as an opportunity to shoot political shade when he should have just concentrated on speaking to the class of 2020. What say you as we start this morning's conversation? Well, what I'd say is, did he lie about anything? 
did, did, did he lie about anything that he said? If he was lying and, and saying mixed truths, then yeah, it, it's the wrong time. But it, it's the climate that we live in right now. The climate that we live in right now, you can't, you know, you, you can't go anywhere without masks. Well, you can't, because this, this clown goes everywhere without masks. Um, and look, man, this is, this is the climate we live in. If he lied about something, I would, would, I would be remiss. I'd be the first to say, hey, man, this is not the time nor the place. But as, as a result of what's going on, this is the reason why the president had to come on, Barack Obama had to come online and, and speak to the seniors because it's the climate that we live in. So, no, I don't think anything was wrong with it. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. The bottom line, he spoke the truth. And I, when, is it wrong, when is it the wrong time to tell the truth? It's never the wrong time to tell the truth. Bottom line. Well said, Mr. Elias. Vanessa, you know, as I watched, uh, you know, I, I, the, the thing is, is that it's interesting when it comes to President Obama, because you can go on YouTube and you can go back and look at speeches and things that he did, you know, obviously, you know, more than three years ago. I mean, the his response to the Ebola crisis uh, is a speech that happened, I want to say, back in 2013 or whenever that particular uh, crisis happened, or 2014 or whenever it was. But when you go back and read the comments, one of the first comments you see, uh, one of the first comments that you will see, people saying, okay, show of hands to people who are here who wants to hear from a coherent president, a person who can put sentences together, a person who can actually talk through something and explain it. A lot of people are there because they just want to be reminded of, you know, when we had a president that could speak, when we had a president who was thoughtful, when we had a president who knew what the hell he was doing. So we, I don't know if you watched the uh, his speech yesterday, but do you think that um, he politicized that, or do you think he should should not have included some of the things he said in his commitment speech to the class of 2020? Okay, let me say this. It was so awesome to see my good-looking black man on that TV set. <laughs> Better watch out. Michelle Obama get pissed off at you now. That's watch okay. Michelle. Michelle sleeps next to him. I'm just talking about what I see. And I was so <laughs> pleased to see him. And I was yeah. so pleased to hear someone be able to put sentences together that makes sense. If mm-hmm. Trump says something crazy. They say, oh, it's just Trump. That's how he is. But if somebody else says something, they have something to say. There was not one word that he said about that wasn't true. There was nothing that he said and came out and said Trump's name. He never said Trump's name. He just called out some shade with some shade. So unless Trump is guilty of the things that Obama said, how you know he was talking about Trump? That's because they knew he was talking about Trump, so Trump acts like that. He acts like a child, you know, and, and he doesn't care about anyone but his himself, his family, and his friends. Just like Obama said about whoever it was Obama was talking about. He never called Trump's name. He just said a person with a title. That could be anybody. So you know what? You go, boy. You continue to come out and (laughs) let Trump know, I am not scared of you, and I can throw shade just like you throw shade, and my people are going to back me up. 
So that's what I got to say about what Obama said. He needs to come out and speak more often and not even call a name. He didn't call a name. And Bobby was saying how Trump was tweeting last night. Whatever. Let him tweet. Yeah. Melania, find your husband. <laughs> find your husband. <laughs> You know the thing, uh, Kathleen, I know how much you adore President Obama, and so I know it was a breath of fresh air for you to be able to watch, you know, our forever president stand before the nation because every network carried it. So he was front and center last night, and uh, and he actually occupied a space that under normal circumstances the current commander-in-chief would, probably, would have been probably asked to do that. But I know you adore this man, and so give me your thoughts on when you saw the president last night addressing that class. And do you think that uh, he should not have included some of the remarks he did in his commencement speech to the class of 2020? This is such a good question. And, yes, I do adore the president. Um, I know you do. Yeah, I do. Um, I know that people are, you know, the media is probably – amping up to start talking about what he said and so forth. But if we look at commencement speeches, including his commencement speeches over the years, anybody who's delivering a commencement speech, they are delivering a message to an entire generation. And he was speaking not to just one high school. He was speaking to every high school graduating senior across these United States and Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands everywhere else. I was so happy to see they had representation from uh, uh, from Puerto Rico in Spanish. That was amazing. So um, he was supposed to speak to these young individuals who, as he said, will be responsible for taking the world into the next levels, into the, next, into the future. So he had to address that. He had to talk about the lack of leadership that we're experiencing today. Because as he said, if you want the world to be better, if you want the world to change and, um, and be the place that you anticipate for your children and your next generation, you're going to be the ones that will be responsible for doing it. So you need to know that there's a lack of leadership. We recognize there's a lack of leadership, but we don't want that to be you. So that had to be said. There was he would have been he would have been irresponsible. Derelict in his duty. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because if he wasn't going to address it, then he shouldn't take the charge. So and and he is not one to back down from a, a responsible position and and do something futile with it. He had to address that. So kudos to him for doing his job. Absolutely. Johnny D, you know, uh, once again, uh, the president, you know, front and center, and I can't remember in my lifetime um, uh, a more active former president. I, I mean, you know, when presidents usually leave, leave office, they're, they're behind the scenes. You really don't hear from them much. But because this country is yearning for leadership, you, you see this man front and center. All the time, you know, uh, he spoke at John McCain's funeral. I mean, uh, he was the uh, featured uh, speaker. Uh, you saw him last night in front of the nation. He said some things not only about President Trump and the way that administration is currently operating, but he also mentioned some things about this. What's going on in uh, that's going on? Uh, some of the, the latest stories that are going on. Let's play a clip of what President Obama said about uh, the shooting of. A young unarmed black man, and uh, Johnny, I want to get your remarks on the other side. 
And let's be honest, a disease like this just spotlights the underlying inequalities and extra burdens that black communities have historically had to deal with in this country. We see it in the disproportionate impact of COVID-19 on our communities. Just as we see it when a black man goes for a jog and some folks feel like they can stop and question and shoot him if he doesn't submit to their questioning. Injustice like this isn't new. Now, I'm more inclined to say, I'm wondering if he was the current president, would he have said that? Because people had always said President Obama really didn't address issues, you know, that pertain to our community head on like that. I think what really gave him pause, Johnny, was that whole beer summit thing when he made the comments about that white police officer and uh, the professor at the time. Uh, but then, he, so he, I don't think he ever did that later on. But it was refreshing to hear him address that issue. So, Johnny D., once again, do you think that the president, um, was it wrong for him to take the opportunity to highlight not only the inefficiencies of the current administration, but to also point out some of the injustices that are facing people of color in this nation? You know, what was refreshing to me was this was certainly must-watch television, um, for the last couple of days, uh, my, my, my children, uh, one who will be graduating high school in the class of 2020, they, they were so, so enthusiastic about being able to see President Obama. And, of course, he is currently, in, in my opinion, the, the only sitting president that we have, although he is inactive and out of office. He represents that office with the dignity that the Constitution uh, written those duties and responsibilities of that office with the integrity, the character, and the willingness to bring people together. So it was refreshing to see how enthusiastic they were and how excited I was to even hear the articulation and the words that he utilized. Uh, I don't think that those words were divisive. I thought that they were timely. And, and as, as Ms. Vanessa said, and as Dr. Williams said, and as Les have said, they were truthful. So if, if they were not truthful, then I would be one who would be critiquing him at this point. Um, you know, the, 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 the candid discussion that, that he had in regards to the impact of the COVID-19 virus and how it adversely impacts uh, your African-American community. And it also negatively impacts our Hispanic and Latino brothers, uh, as well as our Native brothers, who also suffer from some of the, the diseases that are genetically uh, in, in, in induced and in, uh, inclined to be in darker pigmentation persons. Uh, and then I, I I reflect back to what's currently going on in the world with this Return America movement, and I see people out there with no mask and I and you know and no face covering and just a lack of regard for um, uh, the social distancing space and the sciences. So for him to speak on that that topic so candidly, I thought that it just kind of reinforced the need for us to to not think that we're out of the woods. Uh, you know, when when 
when I'm out shopping, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's intriguing to see how people have such little regard after this this this, this reprobate has gotten the fans said that we're we're back, okay? And, and now it's like people believe that, and it, and it just intrigues me on the realities of, of life and death. The numbers continue to evolve. Uh, um, you know, I looked at the numbers yesterday. I didn't do it before the show and because I didn't know if I was going to make it to the end of the show so I can do a compare and contrast. But in every category, every state, those numbers are going off. And then when he talked about Brother Armand Arbery and the just blatant disregard, it kind of takes me back to Florida. And, you know, believe it or not, that's been almost 10 years uh, thereabout with the death of... The, the, the young man out of Florida, uh, Trayvon Martin, Trayvon and Martin. When, when the president, yeah, right, when the president uh, came on television and said that that could be my son, I just thought that that was a a, a, a solidifying moment uh, in the reality of African American in lives. So, you know, his candidness, uh, his articulation, you know, like I say, I just think, think highly of the individual um as, as a man, as a representation of, of all that's good. And, and I'll still say to this date right here, I think that in 2008, on November the 4th, that will always forever be my Independence Day because at that point in time, it gave a resemblance that America was going to live up to the, the, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and everything in, in the Declaration of Independence where equality and God blessed us with a person who was born of a Caucasian mother and, and, and an African-American father, and yet we rejected him, and now we see where we're at right now. So, no, I don't blame uh, this this criminal that's in Washington for the outbreak in their pandemic, but I do, do, and he won't escape responsibility for the lack of preparedness in regards to what America is going to have to endure and continuously endure. So, you know, hey, thank, thank God for the opportunity to see a responsible person on television, and, and I think that uh, President Obama coming out speaking against this tyrant who has continuously criticized and lied on him for for over a decade. You know, now yeah. it's, it's that time to turn the tables on him. Now, of course, we do have to be responsible come November when we go to the polls because we understand yeah. that he's going to use this as a rallying point to get his votes out. But, folks, yeah. I think it's more good Americans, good good. Americans, whether you black, white, green, red, blue, or yellow, or what have you, I think it's more yeah. people who are concerned about one another than what this individual and, 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 and his demagogic ways are, are reflecting. Right. So again, I applauded and looked and, and was just elated about seeing that, that, that gentleman on television again last night it speaking truth. It, it was a, it, it was a good thing to watch last night. Let's bring in uh, the smartest one in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree from StreetRadio.net, and the man who brings us on a need-to-know basis every week. Uh, Jerome, man, good morning, man. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing outstanding. You know, once again, anything that significant happens throughout the week, I always think of you. And I was couldn't wait to hear your comments on how President Obama addressed the nation yesterday, because it was the nation. He was on every channel. And uh, the bottom line is that a lot of people are starting to criticize the fact that he came out and said some of the things that he said during the commencement speech. So my question isn't twofold. Well, not really twofold. It's just, what do you think? You think 
was was that appropriate for him to do? And I just want to get your thoughts overall on seeing the president in that type of uh, atmosphere and in that capacity. Because let's be honest with you, if the current president was on top of his game, I'm almost certain that uh, you know that person would have been asked to address the nation. But they went back and grabbed the forever president because, you know, that's who we look at. I know me, at least, look for leadership during these most turbulent times. So what say you, man, in regards to President Obama? And do you think that him uh, saying some of the things he said yesterday was appropriate during the commencement speech? Well, I'm in agreement with everyone on this that um, it was it was um, I don't know the word to use, but it's like uh being at your friend's house where there's a bunch of kids and the parents come in the house and the whole, the whole environment changes because there's adults there. It's like fighting yeah. teams on the national stage come up to address the nation. Even though they were, I felt like I was in high school. Like, you know, if you've read it, I felt more. Yeah, great. exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, but, but that's what's been missing, right? That's what happens when you have a, a bunch of uneducated, um, racist bigots in, in position to make you feel like you can't achieve um, basic things, like you cannot conquer the world. They're not in, inspiring at all. They're all they do is fuel anger and resentment and hate. And so that's a whole different side of your brain, um, generally. And so having President Obama there, I, I just would say, look at who's criticizing. We have a bad habit of letting somebody else change your um, focus. And what the Republicans have always been good at is that they make a criticism and we'll actually sit there and talk about the criticism knowing they know that it's unfounded, like it's nothing to it. And we will sit there and have a conversation and go, well, is it true that he should... They're making stuff up on the fly, right? Now, to say if... President Obama was appropriate in speaking since he's not president anymore. It's like saying, isn't it appropriate for a president to get rid of all of their inspector generals that have oversight on the executive branch? No, that's not appropriate. But on the same time that he's doing that, we're criticizing if President Obama should be speaking. How crazy. It doesn't even care what he says. They're criticizing if he should be speaking. So if if I was doing evil, I'd be like, hey, don't nobody speak out against the evil I'm doing. Nobody says that to anybody. What happens is that if somebody says something, whether it's negative or positive, you should be able to respond. Who silences somebody because you don't like them? Racist people do. And so we need to deal with that. We need to stop rationalizing it in the sense that they're into, these are intellectual conversations. That's not intellectual thought or intellectual conversation to determine if President Obama is smart enough to be speaking or if it's appropriate. That man speaks for himself. You can tell what everybody's reaction is to him of the worthiness of, of him being worthy of the praise that he gets. He definitely is worthy because he's making everybody react a certain type of way. Who hates that? The people who don't, who want to be off balance, the people who want to sow hate and discourse, those people don't like it. You know, and I, not in comparison, but you would take some of the people who listen to this show, for example. Now, as a loyal listener to the show and to criticize it so much, 
is to say that the discourse is more important to you than the fact that somebody is laying out. None of us come in this program in particular to make somebody hate or make somebody feel some kind of way. Even if we lay out just facts, we get a lot of people, or I shouldn't say a lot, but we get our share of people who have anxiety based upon our words because that's what they're sowing in this in this country, sowing the discourse and the hate and the white supremacy and, you know, just regular colonizer stuff. So that I know that hurts people's feelings, and that's not a, a bridge to bring people together, but why are you bringing them together under a dictator? Why would, you, why would we do that? That's not smart. So if you're going to be foul, you don't get the right to go criticize somebody who's being inspiring, who's inspiring others. Not even in your realm. You shouldn't. You shouldn't even be talking. Hmm. Wow. I tell you what, that's uh, that's some good stuff right there. Uh, listening to uh, Jerome and Johnny and all the, I mean, Vanessa, Kathleen, Miss Elias. I mean, it's just inspiring. You know, for me, I thought that the. Uh, I thought it was appropriate. I think that any time, if you go back, and I think Kathleen mentioned this in her remarks, if you go back and listen to any uh, keynote speaker uh, when you are graduating from high school or college or whatever the case, they always talk about the challenging uh, challenging times ahead in the current environment. So, you know, I think he would have been just uh, irresponsible, or like we talked about Kathleen, derelict of his duties, had he not said anything about what's going on. And the fact that this president is still, this current president is still throwing stuff out about Obamagate and all this other nonsense. Uh, the bottom line is that I think he did the right thing by speaking up. And, uh, you know, it's unprecedented for the current, the current occupant of the White House not to even reach out to his predecessor uh, for any help with anything. Um, it, it's amazing. It is truly amazing. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. In this week's edition of Informants, so that's something that, that you need to know. We were talking about President Obama addressing the class of 2020, and you know we live in trying times and different times. And you know, for parents who have kids that they normally send to summer camp. Um, this is going to be a different experience for them. So let's listen to what people have to prepare for, especially those kids who go to camp. And it's time for this week's edition of Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. We'll be back on the other side. Many parents shudder while wondering if schools will open this fall. Is it safe if schools open? And what on earth to do if they don't? Even before that moment of decision, parents face choices about summer camp. NPR's Tobia Smith reports some overnight camps contend they may be able to operate safely this summer. It's hard in any context, but as many see it, the idea of social distancing at sleepaway camps is preposterous. Video posted by blogger Katie DeCourt last summer shows campers eating, sleeping, and literally rolling around together. Little wonder some sleepaway camps have already surrendered. Today we found out that there will actually be no camp this year. It makes me sad. 11-year-old Maddie Prince says camp is her happy place. You don't have any technology and it's really easy to just forget all of your worries. And I love being with my friends. I would argue that kids need camp this summer 
more than ever before. Dana Harden is president of Camp Group, which runs 13 overnight camps from Maine to Michigan that are still hopeful they can open. Harden says it may be just what the doctor ordered for kids after months of isolation and anxiety. And she says kids may actually be safer from infection at overnight camps. We are looking at this like we are the castle. Our kids are going to enter the castle and we are going to pull up the drawbridge and we will be our isolated community. For camps that open, that would mean no field trips, no visiting days, no socials or sports tournaments with other camps, and in-camp activities would change. For example, uh, games like tag were not going to be involved this summer. Tom Rosenberg, head of the American Camp Association, says expect no contact activities instead. Also, constant disinfecting, more distancing for eating and sleeping, and campers would be split up into smaller units. These would be like families where uh, within that family, they will be able to socialize somewhat normally, but between the family circles, there will be physical distancing. And masks, he says. Some camps say they'd only open if they can test everyone for COVID-19 before and during the session. Others would rely on taking temperatures every day, a prospect that some parents find irresponsible. That keeps me up at night. Physician Fina Baruch says she will not allow her kids to go to camp. It only takes one person to be shedding virus when they're completely asymptomatic. My concern is that this could turn into something like the nursing home pandemic, where it just spreads exponentially. The CDC yesterday issued its recommendations for camps, including social distancing, screening, and extra disinfecting. The agency also directed camps to follow state and local rules, but in most cases, camps are still waiting to hear what those will be. A few jurisdictions have banned overnight camps, but most are still wrestling with the issue, including Massachusetts, according to Governor Charlie Baker. The tough part is to some of this stuff that involves the joys of being a kid, figuring out some way to do this where you have at least enough rules to make sure it can be done safely, but you don't destroy the whole spontaneous nature of what those are supposed to be about. The prospect gives pause to even diehard campers like Sasha Fine, who was looking forward to finally being the oldest at her camp this summer. Like, trust me, I want camp more than anyone, but like, we can't have camp like this. It's like taunting us. Rather than a compromise, 2020, Fine is hoping for a normal last summer at camp in 2021. Tobia Smith, NPR News. Welcome back in 347-850-1272 is the uh, call number 347-850-1272. You're listening to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here. Welcome back in. Uh, appreciate you hanging out once again. Uh, now, we had scheduled for this time uh, an appellate court judge uh, from North Carolina. Uh, we're going to get that rescheduled for you. Uh, we definitely want to hear what the judge has to say, especially in this current environment. So we'll just keep the conversation going. Let's talk about... Um, what's going on with the HEROES Act. Now, this is a bill that's trying to be passed in Congress. You know, I, I guess I just want to talk about the atmosphere, this current environment um, in general. When you think about how the Republicans have gone about this and how Republicans just operate under the curve where people don't even know or understand exactly what these people are doing, it's amazing that they're doing this stuff, Vanessa, in just broad daylight. I mean, the people that support them, their bills and the things that they're trying to propose are hurting them, and they're too dumb to see it. 
the Republicans continue to do things to stop working Americans and those who are unemployed from getting the stimulus and things that they need. It's amazing to watch what's going on between that and what's going on with Pompeii. You know, they fired the IG like Johnny D, I think, or, or, or maybe, uh, Jerome, you mentioned this. I mean, these people are just operating is if they don't give a damn Trump is like if you don't like if you're doing something that's coming after me, I am going to get rid of you. And Republicans, Vanessa, are just standing there and watching it happen. What say you about this nonsense that's going on? Unbelievable. Let me say this. Let me say this. Now guys, just bear with me, been laying back and ain't been talking, but Les, I talked to you about a month ago, and I told you that I was going to go camping with some people and that I was afraid that they were going to be Republicans. Do you remember that conversation, Les? I surely do. <laughs> yes, I do. They were Republicans. I love these people. They, we have so much in common. But when I tell you that she listens to Fox, she doesn't listen to anybody else. She believes absolutely everything that Trump said, that there is no way that she would know what's the truth because all she listens to is Fox in the car, on the TV. And we just have so much in common that I don't know if I can overlook the stupidity that she has for Trump to be her friend. So the other day, I just called to see how they were doing and see when they were going to get to pull their RV out. And just, we had these conversations about some things that Trump said and some things that Trump has done. And this girl said, he did not do that. That is not real. And just because she says that, I kept all of that stuff on my Facebook page. So I put the phone up and let her listen to when Trump said, just make sure y'all vote for me. Before y'all die for November the 7th. I played that clip. Well, is that him? I said, yo, look, he's coming out of his mouth. I wish I could Facebook and live you. So I also pulled what he was saying that by that pill, that clear whatever pill. Then I went back and read the article where somebody has died from taking that pill. This girl does not believe anything. Then when I said, why don't you tell people to drink bleach? Then y'all know that girl said, well, if people are stupid enough to listen to him and drink bleach, then I guess they should die. Y'all know what? So, Jay, I'm going back to what you just said. These Republicans believe every single solitary word that comes out of his mouth, that comes out of Kennedy's mouth. It is so unbelievable to me that I played the clip for the girl to hear, and she did not believe that it was Trump. And then if she did believe it was him, she did not believe that people should have been listening to him. Well, if you can't listen to the president and believe what come out of his mouth, who should you listen to? That girl said to me, and I like her, so God forgive me, that little stupid 67-year-old woman said to me, you know what? Only thing I can say about that is, well, what nationalities would do that? Who would do that? And I said, I keep telling you, you are Mexican with 20 cents. How are you going to talk about somebody? How are you going to believe Trump? You ain't got enough money to believe Trump. And she gets mad when I tell her that. And I told her husband, said, y'all ain't got the 20 cents? So if you got 20 cents, Trump don't care nothing about you, baby. He'll get nothing about you. So this, that's how that weekend went when we had an awesome time. And Bobby and her husband, Harrison, said, okay, y'all, we're going to have to say that we're not going to talk politics. And so when I, her husband's going through cancer treatment, and I said, what do you think about your husband's cancer treatment being put off a month? Because Trump 
forgot a whole month or didn't forget, just ignored a whole month and said it was fake news, that it was a hoax. He didn't say that. So I played that clip. I said, see, that's why your husband did not get his cancer treatment was because we in the middle of this pandemic and everything is shut down. And which if Trump had did what he should have done in January, we would be through it already. You can't blame him. He didn't cause the pandemic. You know, you. I'm just telling y'all, I'm out here in this world talking to these folks, hanging out with these folks at campsites, and it's taking everything within my soul and my spirit not to really, really call white, white, black, black. I mean, it, it really is. So for, for this holiday weekend that's coming up, I called the campsite and said, did they cancel? I want them to cancel. Tell them there's no space because they're booked with me. Because I don't want to deal with that. I just want to go out there and relax on the water. And I don't want to really think about Trump because you really can't get cable out there. So I don't need her with me. I had to call and take them off of my booking. I'm so serious. I think these people believe every word that come out of his mouth. Yeah, everybody. It's ridiculous. I mean, how it really is. It is. You know, she talked about if people are so ridiculous enough to listen to them, they should die. Well, you know what? What about her listening to this nonsense? And, you know, and unfortunately, because of people like her, you know, folks like me who can't stand them, folks like y'all who can't stand them, have to suffer the consequences of his bad leadership. You know, Kathleen, um, the Republicans, uh, try to they're trying to fight the House on this Heroes Act bill. And... Um, it's just amazing to listen how they talk so nonchalantly about people who are actually dealing with the trials and tribulations as a result of COVID-19. And so when you think about Congress and think about how the Republicans are operating, why do you think that they're not paying the political price for this? Because some of the things they're doing, it's just blatant. It's wide open. If President Obama would have fired an attorney, I'm sorry, if he'd have fired an IG who opened up uh, an investigation on, you know, uh, Secretary of State Kerry because they thought he was doing something crazy, these people would be standing outside of the White House with ropes and chains and talking about lynch him and throw him in jail. But, you know, they talked about throwing Hillary Clinton in jail over some emails. And this guy, Trump, I mean, the things that he's doing, it's crazy. So why do you think the Republicans are not paying the political price for this? I have I have a response, but I and I know you're going to go to Jerome after me anyway. So I'm going to I'm going to defer my time because I think Jerome has uh, the best answer to this he's said it so many times I would just be repeating what he says and what I'm thinking with regards to how the Democrats react to things versus how Republicans react to things and um, you know we've seen it time and time and time again we turn on our own we don't support our own but we will the Republicans will you know, they will follow each other into the pit of hell if it means that their, mm-hmm. you know, their standards and their right. promises and their money and everything else will be paramount. They will follow each other into, the, literally follow each other into the pit of hell. Yep. I mean, well, some of them seem like they act, well, anyway, I won't say that. Um, but I, I'm going to uh, defer my time to Jerome on this one. 
Well, Jerome, the time is yours. Uh, what do you say about this? Well, well, thank you, Kathleen. I will take this because you know I have no filter when it comes to this part. So I'm going to take it. I really don't want to filter anyway, so I'm glad. I was I was thinking about doing it, Kathleen, but since you did that, I am not going to use my filter. Right? Um, you know, we tend to ignore the pathology of people, and and we need to get over it. This is our this is our problem, right? Our problem is is that we allow their pathology to creep into our common sense. I mean, I love Vanessa, and her willingness to actually field test that is something that I don't even have no more because I field tested it, right? <laughs> she, she no, I'm I'm just saying because you know we would go through this periodically over the last few years is that Vanessa. Um, you know, Vanessa's here so she can speak for herself. I mean, not talk about Vanessa. So even in saying I need to have the conversation just to know what's going on out there, as I speak on this program, I'm like, I, I actually get what's going on out there. This is not foreign to me. This is something that we need to deal with. And we need to actually kind of understand what the pathology of people is. Her having a sense of not believing anything but Trump says says something about how white supremacy sits in her head because there is something... But let me stop you, Jerome, before you change. Let me stop you but, before you change. It's but, not that I don't get what's out there because I live in... No, Texas no, I didn't what say you didn't. I'm okay. just saying you like... Okay. Okay. You. I, I'm oh, saying you okay. like... Okay. Testing, right? I get it. I just like to talk and see what the other side is thinking. So, I know, and that that's all I'm saying is I... I love you for that. I don't have the willingness to do that I because what happens with me personally is that there's enough people like Vanessa in my life who field tested for me. So I get to stay focused because I know that that exists in such a strong way that we have not moved forward to actually either discount them or deal with it accordingly. And I will leave that to your imagination to deal with. And what I, matter of fact, I won't leave it to your imagination. You cannot talk to somebody. You cannot deal with them. No matter how much somebody smiles in your face or enjoys ice cream, your issue is is that in them, they in, internally want those bad outcomes to exist for their own benefits without even knowing. Like, like Vanessa said, if you don't even have two nickels to rub together, you don't give a rat as long as they are not getting something. So a part of what Trump's thing was and the thing that he fed into in white folks in particular was their – their angst about black people and having a popular black man as president there. That whole backlash thing speaks of that. And if you want to read, you know, Robin D'Angelo's book about white frailty, go read that. Go, go. There are people out there who are talking about this stuff every day, right? And we are, we are intersecting that inside of our rational minds of, in, into our humanity. It has nothing to do with our humanity is why people are racist and crazy. So so we can feel sorry for people all we want excuse me, all we want to. We can feel sorry for them. We can think rationally about how we can help them, but technically you better not let them in your house. Why disrupt your house just because you want them to feel better? Right? <laughs> so about, I'm sorry, I got to laugh. <laughs> right. The thing about white supremacy is it needs to feel good about the oppression part of what they're doing. When a police officer kills somebody, we have a bunch of black people just like white folks out there going, well, not all black people, but not all police officers are like that. 
that is just the that is the craziest thing that you could ever say to somebody. When a black person kills somebody, we don't run to white people and be like, "Look, white people, I'm just saying not all black people." They don't give a rat, right? We <laughs> need to adjust how we think about ourselves and think about um, people who are like that and why that kind of occupies a spot in their brain. Yes, they can smile, they can go have pizza and eat ice cream and seem like very lovely people until that bell is rung. And once that bell is rung, all the black people need to go home. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Hey, I'm just saying. Right? We need to admit that there's a bell to be rung first. So, you know, again, thanks, Kathleen. I don't have a filter, and um, I'll have to, we'll have to go back and edit this out the program a little later. Thank you very much. No, please, I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. You know, just an, here's an example of how I talked about how the Republicans do things in broad daylight. And then I'm going to come to you, Cass. I mean, come to you, Johnny. After after we hear this clip. I've got to tell you, this is absolutely unbelievable. Just a few years ago, the stock market's at twenty five thousand. Corporate profits are the highest they've been in decades. The rich keep getting richer. And our friends on the other side said, what do we do now? Let's do a tax cut where 83% of it goes to the top 1% of the wealthiest people. Fast forward a few months. Global pandemic. 36 million people unemployed. 40% of families who have a worker that makes $40,000 a year or less lose their job last month. Four million people didn't pay their rent, and the Republican Party says, we don't have any money to help you. Are you kidding me? Where do you guys live? Food lines around the blocks at our food banks in the United States of America. One in five kids are going hungry. Your party can't even get food to them. This isn't a wish list. If it's a wish list, it's for the working class people. How about the Teamsters that are going to get a pension when this bill passes? Gentlemen's time is expired. Act, their pension gets cut in Gentlemen's half. Gentlemen's time is expired. This is ridiculous. Gentlewoman from New York. On the American reserve. people. Gentlemen from Oklahoma. That was Congressman, Ohio Congressman uh, Tim Ryan uh, speaking uh, to Congress about, you know, how they debate bills and things of that nature. And, and that was him talking about how Republicans, once again, Kathleen, I mean, uh, Johnny, operating in just broad daylight with some of the things that they do, and people still support these folks. And like I said before, most of the people that are hurt by this, by these things that they do, our folks who support Donald Trump. What say you? You know, I'm going to apologize because I'm going to be shooting off the cuff. I'm hearing bits and pieces. I don't know if my audio is the only one that was disrupted, but I, that last segment, I, I was hearing bits and pieces. I did uh, so happen to see uh, this, this Tim Ryan uh, from Ohio and uh, the passion that he spoke uh, with uh, he seemed to be real sincere, uh, as you said that, that there's people who are out there and you know they're suffering and and I recognize that uh, wholeheartedly. You know when you start talking about 30 million people filing for unemployment, and of course the Republicans uh, are still trying to play games with this three trillion dollar uh, 
uh, COVID uh, relief bill. And then when I when I read stories uh, where you know the executives from J.C. Penney is receiving one million dollar bonuses, and then I look at the airports uh, and the airline industry back in 2008 when they when those big corporations were bailed out, uh, how how many companies started to give their executives these these pensions and, and um, or all of these bonuses and things where the the actual workers suffered. So, and, and you know, in respect to the comments that other persons have have contributed this morning, I didn't hear. Then I'll in in, in lieu of trying to repeat uh, or echo what they said, I'll I'll keep those comments brief. Uh, uh, Jay, can can you hear me? Because like I said, I'm having a yeah terrible yeah. I hear you fine. You coming in loud and clear. Coming in a lot okay. Quick. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. And I don't know what the reception aspect is as to why I'm having some interruptions, but like I say, I, I'll, I'll keep my comments uh, to that because I I won't be able to hear the feedback or any additional questions that you have is real choppy. Okay. So forgive me on on that. It's okay. I mean, it's live radio, man, and we deal with that stuff. Mr. Elias, you heard Tim Ryan's uh, passionate plea uh, about what's going on and and how he uh, was talking about how the Republicans, once again, uh, are up to their old tricks. They do things uh, under the light of day. (laughs) You know, usually you say you do things under the darkness of night. These guys are just doing what they do, and they don't care. It's like they're not paying a political price for any of this stuff. People are out there suffering and these people you know it's interesting because they don't give a damn they get you know we talked about health care when the health care fight was going on you know we're trying to we're trying to take away Obamacare they don't care they, they have health care they don't give a damn about that you know they get a pension for life uh, once they're done so you're talking to people who are not in any shame uh, any way form of fashion suffering so it's easy to make decisions about people uh, that's working in hot fields when you're sitting in a cool office. But if you're out there and hot, then you, you're going to think again because it's affecting directly affecting you. What say you in regards to how the Republicans are operating? And especially after listening to Congressman Ryan uh, just go off about how these people are just just doing what they do with just no regards to the American people and people who are out there suffering. What's new about it? There's nothing new about it. The Republican Party has always done this. They don't give a damn about the poor people. You know, they, they're not going to put nothing in place to help the common working man. Hell, if you, correct me if I'm wrong, Ronald Reagan got rid of the Air Traffic Controllers Union, and that started the downside of the union. So, look, man, this is nothing new for the Republican Party. They don't care. Now, Mitch McConnell, uh, he can sit there and pass billions and billions of dollars for the big industry. You know why? Because they, they contribute to his campaign fund. But they, the, the, the poor people don't contribute nothing. And they keep putting them back in office. And you know what the Republican Party is smart enough to do? They gerrymander the district so they'll keep winning. Because they know that these, 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 these dumb people, even the dumb people I work with, these dumb people, they'll keep voting Republican, even though the Republicans hate unions. And I'm a union worker, but these these people will keep voting for them, and they'll keep standing up for them because hey, I'm 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 against getting money in my pocket. It's, I I was amazed and astonished that as I'm watching the protesters in Michigan, they're opposed to getting work uh, 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 unemployment. They're they're opposed to it because why? 
It's like welfare. Well, hell, corporations get welfare every day, and they make you feel stupid for getting it. But how many times do corporations get welfare, and and, and we, we applaud that? This is dumb to me. I've never seen anything like this before in my life, and I, I, I hope I never see it again. That's it. All right, folks, uh, we'll about take a break. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rao Show. Why would you bully me? Why would you bully me? Why would you bully me? Because it makes you feel cool? Because I'm different? Do I touch a nerve? Does making me feel bad make you feel good? Why? 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 Bullying hurts. Bullying abuses. Bullying kills. Why would you bully me? Oh, baby. 
Welcome back here, 347-850-1272. It's uh, May 17th on a beautiful Sunday morning. Glad you guys are here. You're listening to The Serious Side on the TGRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. And as always, it's time to say good morning to my family. And let me start off with the ladies. And good morning to my big sis, Miss Vanessa Maybell from the McInnell. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How's everybody? And, of course, good morning to the very lovely Kathleen Williams. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning, all. The smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree's in the house. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm good, man. How are you? Doing outstanding and educated brother himself, Mr. Johnny D. In the place to be, man. Good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. I'm doing well, definitely. Good morning. And a man who gets the first and last hurt word here on the serious stop. The one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning, good morning, everyone. And Mr. Elias, can we say good morning to some people in the chat, if you don't mind, sir? Yeah, we have um, uh, Kavina Man in there with us and Alfie Lane, easy, an easy rider with us. It's been there, of course. Uh, and that's all we have in there. All right. Yeah, well, so that's all we have in there. You guys are here. All right, be safe and, and sound. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That for for Marianne Music, that was Into Orbit, and that's Alex Isley. Just in case she's listening, I really wish you and uh, I am. I am proud to report, Mr. Elias, we have a Mariana Music sighting. Uh, she is in the house this Thank morning. God. I'll read her comments during the uh, chatterbox. So uh, that's right. good right. news for us. Yeah. She's in the house. The pastor's in the house, as always. I want to say what's going on to Ralphie. I'm not sure if that's your real name, Ralphie, but that's a pretty cool name if it is. Tim's in the house. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to say this right. Shin- I'm just going to say Miss S. <laughs> I don't want to mess your name up. I'm so sorry. Corrine is in the house. Good morning. How are you? Uh, Franklin. Franklin, I recognize the name. What's up, brother? Uh, and uh, Sydney and just a whole host of people listening. Hope you guys are virus-free. And, uh, and uh, be safe and make sure that you practice social distancing because... We all talk about how we go in public. We see people running around with no masks. They're invading your space. They're not following directions that the store is split in place. And as the nation begins to slowly reopen, we're going to see these uh, virus numbers go up because people are thinking, okay, I'm good, and I'm just going to keep moving. But I'm telling you, folks, the danger still exists. So we want you guys to be safe and sound. At the top of the show, we talked about Johnny uh, let us know what was going on with his dad. And one of the things I said I would ask Kathleen to do at some point in the show is to give us uh, some words of wisdom and encouragement and prayer. And if Kathleen, if you don't mind, I would love to do that now before we get into this next topic, because I really and truly believe that we definitely need to hear words of inspiration before we discuss our last topic of the morning. So if it's okay with you, I would love to go ahead and do that. Is that all right for you, with you right now? Absolutely. Um, Johnny, can you tell me your dad's name? Johnny, there. Yeah. John. Uh, yeah, Dr. Williams, yeah, I know he's having. John. John. Yeah. His name is John? Okay. Yes. Yes. Father, we come before you now together 
and a group of people just in love with you, in love with each other, Lord God. And we bring before you John. We thank you, Lord God, for his amazing life, for his children, for his family, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for the life that he has lived to date. But, Father God, we're coming to you now asking for more days, for more time, for more healing, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you would continue to surround him not only with his family and loved ones during this time, but with angels, Father, that would help him to be able to look back on his life and say, I've done a fantastic job, but if it be your will, we ask that you would allow him more days yet ahead. But whatever your choice is, Lord God, we will abide by it. But in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the days that he has left, that they will be comforting, that they will be filled with love, that they would be filled with the joy of the Lord, that they would be filled with peace, that they would be filled with happiness. So we ask you for healing in his body, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you that he will know no pain, Father, in Jesus' name, that no weapon formed against him shall prosper, that nothing additional will come and infect his body. And we thank you, Lord God, for his family right now. We know that they are hurting, Father, despite what everything looks like. We know that they need calming, they need comfort, they need love, they need peace. They need you surrounding them and holding them and knitting them together like one unit, Father God, so that they take lockstep with you. They're able to comfort each other during this time. Thank you, Lord God, for all that you have done for all of them. Thank you for keeping Johnny B. Lord God, we thank you for his beautiful, sweet, and transparent heart. We thank you for his courage and his boldness, Lord God. We thank you for his wisdom also. So thank you for blessing him, his family, his children, his father. We thank you for being with John. And we lay all of these concerns, Lord God, all the concerns, all the burdens, all the weights that we have, we lay it at your throne of grace. And we know that you will answer the prayers, Lord God, of the righteous and give us calm, comfort, and the peace that passes all understanding to keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, dear Lord. Amen and amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Kathleen. Amen. amen. Dr. Williams, I, I received those words, and, and and thank you. Thank you on behalf of my family. Uh, thank you, thank you, more than you will ever, ever know. Thank you. May God be the glory. My pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to do that, Jay. Oh, thank you for blessing us with such encouraging words, and uh you know, take your burdens to the cross and leave them there. And uh, God answers prayer. Do your best and let God do the rest. That's what I always live by. Uh, here's our final topic of the morning. Loved ones of Breonna Taylor grieving and outraged. The 26-year-old Louisville first responder shot eight times and killed by police. Just to know that she um, died like that in the comfort of her own home. So it's our topic of this morning, um, you know, I call it uh, DWB, Dying While Black. Let's listen to the entire story, and then uh, we'll spend the last remaining moments of the show uh, discussing this tragic situation that happened in Louisville, Kentucky. Loved ones of Breonna Taylor grieving and outraged. The 26-year-old Louisville first responder shot eight times and killed by police. 
just to know that she um, died like that in the comfort of her own home. On March 13th, before 1 a.m., Louisville police say three officers executed a search warrant at Taylor's apartment, an address police believed was used by a suspected drug dealer to traffic narcotics. Police reports say officers Jonathan Mattingly, Brett Hankinson, and Miles Cosgrove, wearing plain clothes and no body cameras, announced themselves and forced entry. The officers forced entry into the exterior door and were immediately met by gunfire. But in a new wrongful death lawsuit against the officers, Taylor's family says they never announced themselves. The suit says Taylor and her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, startled from sleep, believed it was a break-in and called 911 for help. Walker, a licensed gun owner, then shot and wounded one of the officers. Officers returned fire, the suit says, blindly into the residence. Taylor's family attorneys say no drugs were found in the home. And the tragedy of it is, it wasn't coronavirus that killed Breonna Taylor. It was police officers who were being reckless and irresponsible. Walker is now facing charges for attempted murder of a police officer. His attorney says he's completely innocent. The officers now on administrative reassignment, and while the case is under investigation, police aren't commenting. Meanwhile, Taylor's mother still absorbing her loss. That's not what people know. She didn't Katie Beck, NBC News. Hey, NBC News fans, thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by... So that's the story basically surrounding this young lady being shot by Kentucky police officers, Louisville police officers who broke into her home. And, um, you know, you know the thing, let me start this uh, section um, off uh, with you. Uh... Johnny, if you could hear, if you heard the the report, what amazes me is how they are going to charge the boyfriend with attempted murder. And, and here's the thing that I've always that that's always been crazy to me. You're laying in your bed at one o'clock in the morning. Someone kicks your door down in plain clothes. Now, according to witnesses, the police officer didn't announce themselves. And you get up and try to protect yourself, and they're going to charge him with attempted murder when you broke into his residence. This is a tragic situation all the way around. Um, just give me your thoughts in general on the on this situation, and I want to definitely, uh, man, we're, we're running against time. So, yeah, give me some brief thoughts on this, man, because I want to hear from everyone before we get out of here. Your thoughts on what happened okay. to Breonna Taylor right. being shot and killed. You in know, home. certainly condolences and prayers go out to uh, Mrs. Taylor and her family. A lot of things are concerning here, but it's also um, I, I, I will remain um, very objective until the facts come out because it depends on what news source you read in regards to the facts. So let me just kind of run over briefly. Uh, as I read some of the articles, uh, news articles, okay, you execute a no-knock search warrant, which is just. Now, according to some media sources, that that residence was actually named as one of the two places that they had raided between March the 12th and March the 13th, which legitimizes the fact of the 
the no-knock search warrant being executed. Now, some media sources say that they were at the wrong address. So, again, that's information that we will allow the process to sort out. The fact of the matter is that you have a tactical unit that does not have body cameras operational nor on during the execution of a no-knock, which is virtually unheard of in today's law enforcement community with transparency. So that in and of itself, it would be a concern to me. Um, the fact that they say Mr. Walker, the boyfriend, was the first individual to fire a weapon as the officers, as they allege, one of the media sources said that they did announce themselves. And, of course, as they used the battering ram that Mr. Walker uh, fired at them first, wounding one of the officers, and then, of course, being charged for attempted murder. Now, some of the confusing points here. As a law enforcement officer, if you are charged with uh, attempted murder on any citizen, it's highly unlikely that you will get a bond. But when it is executed against a police officer, that's, that's a rarity that you would even allow this person out. I've never seen that before in my 20-plus years working in, in the criminal justice field. So that leaves skepticism that perhaps what some of the media sources were saying is that it was not executed properly uh, is accurate. And, and then, of course, um, some other things that I wrote down is the fact that they indicated that the person who was the primary suspect in this drug raid had already been apprehended earlier that day. But again, one of the media sources say that that was a second residence that belonged to Ms. Taylor that was actually a part of the warrant. So it's a lot of things that I that I have just briefly read two or three articles and, and have questions about that I jotted down. And, and certainly when you get uh, attorney Ben Crump involved, uh, you know, he, he is the modern day Jesse Jackson, uh, in, in my opinion, um, you know, like I say, it, we, we've got other attorneys mm. who can handle this, but I, may, I imagine the high profile that he brings to a case um, is, is, is always going to be prevalent. But again, it's just mm. a lot of things that, that's going on with this one here that um, is a concern to me. And, and again, I'll be objective yep. until the process weighs itself out. Okay, that's fair enough. What about you? Uh, let me go to you uh, on this one, uh, Jerome. What, what do you think, man? I mean, you know, I hear what Johnny's saying, and, you know, most people will take that approach. And, you know, when you read a number of news reports, you know, I found some of the same things that he actually brought up. But because of the history and the fact that these guys did not have body armor on, that to me creates a cloud of suspicion that stinks. And when you have situations like this, it tells me that, yeah, you can tell the public that, you know, we're going to do better with law enforcement. Law enforcement is going to do better doing this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, you still have people out there doing things the way they want to do things. You see videos of officers still acting belligerent towards black folks and still think that they are the, the end all and be all. So what are your thoughts on this whole thing, man? Well, it's um, I feel kind of like um, you know I'm in a bad Groundhog Day when it comes to this kind yeah, of stuff, exactly. and it's like deja vu all over again, right? It's just over and over and over the same thing. And the one thing that we have to acknowledge is that you know we have to change some laws because there are yeah. a lot of laws that's put in place that just pollute that protects police officers in wrongdoing, 
right? So if we look at this case in particular, first of all, they said that they announced that they were there. And so there's like three or four witnesses that said, no, they didn't say anything. Now the police is coming out saying, oh, they had a no-knock warrant, which means someone else is going to probably try to forge a new warrant to say that they had a warrant at that address, right? They keep doing these things that we can't keep checking. So their their habit or or their norm is to keep rolling over a lie until one sticks. And then we usually say, oh, well, this is what the police said. But they're going to keep testing out these these lies until they stick. It is maddening that you can go murder somebody and then charge somebody else for murder or for attempted murder. You actually killed mm-hmm. somebody. You murdered somebody. And it's like, oh, well, for trying to protect them, I'm charging you for attempted murder. So, you know, it, it's weird that they don't have to justify their existence. The... Um, I want to say it was the mayor or the county Someone was on te- television, and they were saying how, you know, this is difficult and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we know that there's rogue um, officers. We know that humanity, we make mistakes. But they're on the line for killing that woman, and they should be. So instead of them waiting for a jury to decide, the government needs to do the right thing and try to um, somehow rectify this by arresting the officers, not just suspending them, because they act on behalf of the government when they put on a uniform. So now the government's liable. So they should be able to go after the government, or the government needs to change their laws and say that if you work for me and you break the law, we are pressing charges against you. But something else needs to change without us trying to figure out how to make this right um, from the victim side. The victim needs to have all of the laws protecting them. But since we can't seem to do that, we need to just go on offense to try to change some of those things. Because they're, they're, the victims are not protected in these cases. Most of the time when they make laws, they keep saying, this is so that criminals have too many rights and blah, blah, blah. But what about victims? So she's a victim in this. She's just not um, some criminal that they're saying, oh, now they want to turn the tables. You know, it reminds me of that whole fake McDonald's. I shouldn't say it that way because it sounds Trumpish. But it reminds me of that, that McDonald's case where people keep citing a cup of coffee and this person won all this money. Nobody tells the truth about that case. So that lives on as somebody who's trying to profit off of a system. Whereas even in that case, that McDonald's case, it was a 70-year-old woman who had her seatbelt on who was not even driving. And when she got burnt, they contacted them just to say, can you help me pay this old lady's medical bills? And McDonald's said, no, we're going to break her. They didn't want to give her no money. So that jury ruled that they get, she gets punitive damages. And then after the fact, they spun that thing that it made it look like she was having a frivolous lawsuit. And so now in our conscience, we think it's a frivolous lawsuit where that real story was some 70-year-old woman got burnt by, by McDonald's. So we need to be able to see through garbage. We need to change some of the laws so that it does not affect people who are victimized by the government. Because this is flat a government issue because police officers work for the government. So this is why the United States ranked um, number one 
at crimes against his citizens. When Bush came out and they tried to discredit um, the the organization that put that out, I think it was um, the um, oh gosh, I can't even think. They do all the humanity work around the world, but anyway, when they came out and said the United States ranks number one, all the Republicans were pissed. And it's like, no, your government kills more people than even the government of China does because the way they were killing black people and other people without any kind of consequence. So what the Republicans do is they say, well, we're going to defund those international organizations now because they're shining lights on us. But this has been going on for a while in this country, and we need to own it and do something about it. Good stuff. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Mr. Elias, man, uh, I'll give you the last word. Let me swing around here uh, to Kathleen. Kathleen, your thoughts on this thing? I I'm not going to start crying this week. Um, it's just that I I agree with Jerome. We just have to. We're going to have to go in and change laws. Um, the protests have to continue. Uh, the someone. I think it was Ben Crump also who mentioned that black women also die at the hands of police officers in unwarranted killings as uh, um, black women are killed as well as black men. And so the protests and the outrage has to be equivalent for our sisters as they are for our brothers. I'm not saying that they're not, but I just wanted to highlight that as well because we see we see Brianna Taylor right now. We saw Sandra Bland, um, and there are countless others, unfortunately, we that we don't get to hear about as often. So I do want to echo what Jerome is saying about the laws and our responses to victims' rights. And also our response to just making sure that black people are not in a position continuously of becoming victims at the hands of the police. I mean, what is this? There's so much lacking in this story, and I'll tell you how we know. Even by not being able to get a really good handle on all of the, all of the details and the truth of what has taken place in this situation, the fact that we don't see what we normally see, which is a barrage of information that discounts the character or discredits the character of the victim. They haven't been able to come up with anything, and they've done it for every single other person that the police have killed, and maybe they're in the process mm-hmm. of trying to pull it off now. But here we have an EMT worker who was studying to be a nurse and working part-time, whether as an LPN or whatever, and I believe her boyfriend was also EMT. You have two upstanding citizens in their sleep with no weapons, no drugs, no nothing. So you tell me why, you know, and Diane, thank you for talking about the no-knock whatever, the no-knock warrant, but why do they need one for that? What judge signed that order that they could get a no-knock warrant to go and uh, use a battering ram to break down the door of two people in bed sleep? It's not like they're using a battering ram to go into one of these drug dens where they need to come in. You know, you have to come in at stark surprise because everybody's going to be, you know, flushing drugs. and You know, come on. 
have enough surveillance, surveillance to be able to tell who's in the apartment. You're going to tell me they got a no-knock warrant, but they never watched that apartment to see who was in there? They didn't know how many people were in there before they went in? They didn't have any idea that this was the wrong address? Come on. Really? Are we supposed to believe that? I, I just don't. I just don't believe it. And I think that, you know, at this point now, and this administrative leave crap, so we're putting one person in a grave, but three other people are getting paid to do less work? I, I, it, it's nauseating. It's nauseating. And high time yeah. this madness is put to an end. Hmm. Good luck with that. I mean, it seems to me every week or something where we're talking about this. I mean, we've been talking about this ever since this show's been on the air, and then we've been on the air for a long time. You know, Vanessa, um, you know, one of the things that I appreciated about last week was the fact that Kathleen and, and her raw emotions, it just tells that these things hurt. Uh, even though you may not know these people, but you know people that you are associated with that these things can happen to. As parents of children, the first thing you think about is, I could get a call saying that something happened to my baby due to no fault of his or her own because of the fact that I was, you know, WLB, living while black. So what's your, what's your thought on what happened in uh, Louisville and uh, give us your give us your thought process. What were you thinking? What do you think we need to do to move forward going from here? You know, everybody has said so much that I can't even go around it. You know, to, to hear that 20-something bullet holes was in the house and people were in their own house, it made me think about the lady, the person right there in Texas. Uh, in Dallas that were shot in their own home and it's just really getting scary when people can't ride a bicycle because somebody might say hey 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 you and if you don't want to turn around you get shot down in the middle of the street it's it's pretty um it's pretty awful and let me say this and I'm I'm, I'm not saying any particular reason other than that I'm going to go into church in the next 10 minutes and I haven't been to church since the second week in March and I miss most about that is walking up to that altar and praying for this country, even though I know I can do it at home, but to go up to that altar and pray for this country is something that I truly miss. But today, I'm going to get there early because we're social distancing. I want to make sure that I'm up there, even if I'm in the back, to pray for our people. Our people. I'm so sorry, y'all. I'm not trying to pray for the white people today. Reverend, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to pray for the white people today. I'm walking up there, and I am praying for the black people and what we are going through. What we are going through. Because this is ridiculous. This is crazy that your child can't get on the bicycle and go down the street, and if somebody say, hey, you, because you don't want to turn around, or you sleep in your bed after you done work 16 hours trying to save people from corona, people want to come in there and shoot your house up and kill you. It's nothing else I can say other than I am ready to pray today for my people. Wow. Oh, wow. That's good. And, and definitely pray because it's something that uh, if someone will listen to that and interpret it the wrong way, Mr. Elias. But the bottom line is that it does seem to be a war against our folks. And it seems to me that injustice when it comes to folks of color is just prominent. I, I was watching a video the other day, and I, I don't know if we covered it on the show now, but it was a video of a man trying to get into his place and this lady. And I think we did talk about this, but it was amazing how she felt compelled to say, you can't come in here. And this, and this guy had to show his 
ID to hurry. When he refused it, she followed him upstairs. I mean, it was ridiculous. And I want to play that clip next week if we didn't cover it. But, you know, like Vanessa said, our people are under attack. And when these types of things happen, you know, you always hear people say, well, they probably had it coming. Uh, Yeah, they shouldn't have been this. They shouldn't have been that. They always write us off as, hey, you know what, at some point in time, they were going to be black and they were going to do something that they, they shouldn't have. So, yeah. So you may have shot them innocently this time, but two more months they would have done something that would warrant their death. It's amazing to listen to these people, man. You get the first and last word, sir. Give us your closing thoughts on this. Well, Jay, all I can say is that if somebody broke into my house at the middle of the night, the first thing I would do is grab my pistol because I sleep right next It's right next to me in my nightstand, and I'm going to work. I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's what I'm going to do. You know, and for these people to act like they didn't do anything wrong, and come on, man, we've been down this road before. I watched so many videos where police officers violate the First Amendment, Second Amendment, Third Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Fifth. They do all this stuff. They violate all everybody's constitutional rights. And I, I've seen a police officer. I'm, I'm watching a video the other night where they just walked into a man's house, didn't show him the search warrant. They said, "We don't need a search warrant." What? You don't? They come to my house, but if that guy would have fired, fired, fired him up, he went to jail. But as he's videotaping him, they're telling him to turn the light off, turn the light off for me. You know, if you want to go to jail for having that light on in his own house. So for this to happen to somebody, and and Louisville, I'm I'm not shocked, man. This is this is the climate we live in with the police we live with because they don't give a damn about you. They're going to violate your rights, and that's what they do. And they don't care about violating your rights. So, you know, uh, amen. I, you know, my prayers go out to both families, to, to both families, because the bottom line, you got a man in jail for protecting his home, and you have a daughter who's who's who perished for just for, for, for laying in the bed sleep. So, I, you know, I'm I'm like Kathleen. You got the wrong house, and all, they they knew. They it's just ridiculous to me. And now these clowns are going to be paid money to be off. Wow, they don't even suffer financially. Well, when you put it that way, it just makes it, it just brings it home, man. It just brings it all home. All right, sir. Well, all right, folks, we're going to step out take a break. On the other side, Chatterbox, a real abbreviated version of Chatterbox and on a need-to-know basis with Mr. Jerome Spree. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Ron Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. Matter of fact, I tell you what, let, let's skip the, let's skip the news because we're, we're we're running late. Let's just jump straight into Chatterbox and and then we'll jump straight into Jerome's segment because uh, it's been an enlightening uh, conversation and sometimes we go over. So we'll skip the final break and we'll just jump straight into Chatterbox three four seven eight five zero one two seven two Chatterbox, which we take comments from our world famous chat room and from social media. Uh, Mr. Elias, man, I know it's quick, but do you have anything ready for us uh, from the yes, world famous chat room? I do. Okay. man said there's always a group of people who don't want to follow the rules, no masks, no social distancing, gathering with guns and protests, etc. And then Easy says, how about the wet sand thing for beach floors? You can't go on dry sand, wet sand only. Uh, what about that? And then uh, man came back and said, it's the new Flu Klux Klan. It's crazy. 
Alright, uh, the pastor's checked in as always She says, peace and blessings family First of all, it's good to hear that Marietta music is okay Hear, hear, doctor Hear, hear, uh, pastor He says, Dr. Williams, thank you for the words of Thank you for your words of inspiration To John, may God's undying grace Console you and lift you up During your time of need Prayers that your your father gets well soon We echo that uh, Pastor, we echo that Marietta music, the woman of the hour She says, OMG, oh my God, it is so good to be home I went back and listened to the shows that I missed, and it brought me to tears to hear all the well wishes. You guys really and truly love me, especially Jerome. Most definitely. Okay, whatever. <laughs> all right, so she said, I'm you. home. We did. We did. Especially Jerome. All of us are worried about it, but especially Jerome. I am home, I am well, and I thank you all for your concerns. Okay, what's up, Marianne? Right. Thank you. Day Day from uh, Louisville, Kentucky says, Where y'all been? This happened two months ago. I need our shows to be on top of these things. You guys are a voice. Please invest in the staff whose primary mission is to shine a light on the injustices to our people. Wow, well said, Day Day, and uh, appreciate the words of encouragement. Wow. And on that note, um, wow, I mean, that, that wow, wow. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say after <laughs> Day Day made that comment. I mean, um, well, anyway, that's uh, interesting. All right, so uh, you know what time it is. It is time for my favorite part of the show, and me and Mr. Elliott's favorite part of the show. On a need-to-know basis with our main man, Mr. Jerome, Miss Bree, and Jerome, brother, help us. What you got going on, man, this morning? It's got to be abbreviated. What do you have, brother? Well, you know, I, I just want to comment on the, the last person that called in. We do get a lot of those stories, right? And sometimes they hit national news and sometimes they don't. But, hey, I have a couple now that I'll talk about. Um, first, I want to say that singer, R&B singer, soul singer, Betty Wright passed at the age of 66. You don't know her, no pain, no, no gain. Remember that song? <laughs> and um, also... What did Betty Wright make? She made, um, uh, what was the song? She made it when she was 18. And, um, yeah. Tonight is tonight. Last night, tonight, tonight, you made me a woman. No, 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 no. It was, it was Clean Up Woman. I'm sorry. I was that song? The Clean Up Woman. That was Betty Wright, the Clean Up Woman, yeah. She made that when she was 18. And for you young people who don't know, um, if you listen to Mary J's song, Real Love, Mary J. Blige, it's a sample from Clean Up, by the way. Just want to help folks out. But anyway, Betty Wright's passed, and I wanted to make sure I acknowledge her. I didn't didn't do it on last show, so I wanted to do that. Now, um, this is abbreviated. I'm just going to skip a few of these. But um, a study found that the average American had their personal data stolen or exposed at least four times in 2019 with social media sites like Facebook responsible for the most security breaches. As more aspects of everyday life move online, the risk of having your personal data exposed has risen alongside that. So watch out and stop wow. giving much your information on places like Facebook. Mm. Yeah, a lot right. of people do that, Jerome. Yeah. Yeah, they buy stuff, donate, and whatever. Don't trust Facebook. Mm-hmm. I don't think I need to call yes. it a fed book anymore, but just don't trust Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, mouthwash could protect against the Corona-19 by destroying the outer layer of fat 
on the virus that the virus uses to bind to human cells is what um, scientists suggest. If you didn't listen to Kathleen's show with um, Dr. Kwame uh, Swami on there, sorry, um, Gentilise, Dr. Gentilise on there, I think she said something about you know using more mouthwash. So since that virus dust in your throat, use some mouthwash, people. You know it starts to kill. Um, um, viruses and bacteria. So the mouthwash has potential to kill, kill it and prevent Corona-19. Potentially kill the coronavirus and prevent um, um, COVID-19 infections. That's according to a new uh, report from a um, virologist, I guess is what it's called, or a, a lipid specialist and other healthcare experts. So, use some mouthwash. And let me just jump, let me yeah. jump in real quick too. And on that show, um, you can find it on my Facebook page. She talked about making your own. And the com- the combination that she gives for making the mouthwash that is best against that virus is on there. So I just wanted to add that piece. She wasn't talking about listening. Yeah, okay. Yep. And I think I know that, actually. It is um, one-eighth of cayenne. You want to put um, lime in it and use hot water. Okay. Yeah. She, she also spoke about that and drinking drinking some warm water in the morning. And actually rinse your mouth out before you drink or eat something in the morning because the virus, everything in your stomach comes up to your throat during your sleep. So use mouthwash, spit it out, and then brush your teeth or drink or eat something. But you want to do mouthwash first. Thanks. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Kathleen, and, and Dr. Gentilese for that. Got much yes. Better. Yes. Now, um, since we since your your um, last um, what was the person who wrote and what's the segment? I just forgot it that fast. I'm losing my mind. Um, from the person who wrote in about us doing news stories, um, the deputy sheriff. Uh, I'm sorry, the sheriff's deputy and a lynch mob of armed white men are arrested for terrorizing a black family by trying to barge into their home and demanding information about a missing teenage girl. The armed group of white people knocked on the door of Monica Shepard. Um, the group demanded to know information about a missing young girl and um, who, who had been missing earlier that day but was later found. So among that mob attempting to force their way into Shepard's house was an off-duty sheriff's deputy, um, <laughs> of the wow. New Hanford County Sheriff's Office, Jordan Keita, who has since been fired for his role. A second person, Austin Wood, who was also charged in connection with the incident. And a lawyer for the family said the group who attempted to force their way into Shepherd's home was a lynch mob, literally. Wow. It was, it was three of them. And it was, wow. it was three of them who were actually sheriffs or connected to the sheriff's office and some other white men who was into a, a wrong house to find some girl who wasn't even there. So at least they got arrested. What state was this girl? This, this happened in, um, oh, God. It's New Hanover County Sheriff's Department. But I think it was in, oh, I think it was Carolina. I think it was North Carolina. Oh, I have to go back and look now. I actually knew the whole story. Can't even remember. Yes. Um, Also, two cops were indicted on assault charges after slamming a transgender transgender, um, woman face into the sidewalk, and the arrest was count 
caught on tape. Now, this person was black. Officer Matthew um, Brumette, who's 37. Officer Charles um, Pritchard, who's 47, faced charges for allegedly using excessive force by arresting that woman on May 2019. Now, allegedly, we not can see it on camera. Um, it's just that it's written that way, but they slammed the person's face into the ground. Um, in the Glenn County um, Police Department, who was handling the Ahmad Aubrey case, is facing calls to be disbanded um, for its history of controversy uh, and controversies and scandals where officers had sex with informants and the, the actual police chief is caught in his own scandal where he had, um, well, Glynn County Police Supervisor learned that an officer in their narcotics union had a sexual relationship with a confidential informant, and then the chief, John Powell, was placed on administrative leave with pay this year following a 2019 investigation into narcotics, uh, to that narcotic scandal for lying. So that whole police department has a culture of cover-ups. So in 2018, the department has lost its certification with the Georgia Association of Chiefs of Police and the Commissions on Accreditation of Law Enforcement. But they're still practicing. This is the, the police department that let the guys off from the black guy who was jogging and the two guys shoot him and the people started recusing themselves. This is that police department. They're asking to disband them. And now... It's going to be a referendum on a vote um, for the residents of Glen County. They have a referendum to vote whether that department should be disbanded or not. I say disband them. Don't even vote for res- referendum. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> now, you know, I there are, yeah, there, there's um, in some conservative papers now, they are um, reporting that former President Barack Obama on Saturday criticized Dotard. And um, in all but name, because he didn't say his name, right? Since he gave the televised commencement address for high school seniors. Matter of fact, I want to give a shout out to LeBron James, who executive produced that. When we keep looking at this Michael Jordan stuff and Michael Jordan's arrogance and him being a jerk and all that, LeBron James, forget what he does on that basketball court, but he is putting out some product that is living in everybody. So shout out to LeBron James for producing that. Um, President Obama's message to high school seniors um, came to came at the end of that hour-long television special, and um, he said, "So-called grown-ups, including some with fancy titles and important jobs, who do what feels good." Uh, he said, "And what's convenient and what's easy—that's how a little kid thinks," which is why. Mm. Things are so screwed up, is what President Obama said. So, of course, in the papers, they're saying that he's talking about Trump, which I can see how they can get that. <laughs> well, yeah. a little well, kid who, who does right. so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. That's what they're saying. Now, um, you know, I want to say this. Um, if you haven't seen it, um, former Vice President Joe Biden had an interview where he was asked in the town hall meeting would he let Trump and those guys off the hook because, you know, Ford pardoned the Nixon folks and whomever pardoned the Reagan folks, um, you know, after they got out. 
and they just will not press charges after, you know, I think it's George H. Bush pardoned the folks after Reagan. And they asked Biden, if he wins, will he pardon the Trump people? And he said no. <laughs> Shout out to Joe Good. Biden. I'm for him. Really? Biden 2020. That sounds like a commercial mm-hmm. to me. I would run that commercial all day. I'm not pardoning him. Biden 2020. I'm sorry. That's the strategist <laughs> in me. All right. So a lawyer who once rented a room to the um, the accuser of Joe Biden brands her manipulative and deceitful and accuses her of trying to plan a story over the alleged sexual assault. So lawyer Kelly um, Lit, Clit, um called her former um, Joe Biden staffer deceitful and manipulative after they briefly lived together in 2018. So along with her coming out with that story that's being pushed by the Republicans, now there are people coming out who are saying, we know she's lying. So this is this is an attorney who used to live with her said that she's, she's being deceit, deceitful. All right. Mm. Now the Senate vote, voted to, no, you know what, I'll skip that one. Donald Trump lost his legal bid to stop lawsuits claiming that he broke the emoluments clause of the Constitution um, by profiting from his D.C. hotel. So the lawsuit brought by the state of Maryland and the District of Columbia claims that Trump violated the emoluments clause by gaining profits from foreign and domestic officials staying at the hotel. Trump lost his bid to stop that suit, so that suit, suit is still going on. By the way, so he's still not getting off of that one. He's, although the Supreme Court is listening to the tax part of who should be receiving his tax information, the Trump people are well, trying to stall it until after the election. And I'm sure you guys all heard. Well, Michael Michael Flynn could still face um, jail time over perjury, over his um, guilty plea. So the judge actually brought in another judge. The judge ordered. Um, order is a second signal that as many days um, I guess what they're saying is that they're trying to dismiss charges, the Justice Department is, but the judge it's his discretion on whether he wants to dismiss charges. So we don't know, think that yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. All right, John, we have time for one more, sir. One more? Okay. Let's yes, sir. Let's see. What do I have? Okay. Yeah. Now, a man was shocked to discover his newborn twins have two different fathers. It's a one in ten million chance. What? Who uh, remained unidentified <laughs> made a shocking discovery after taking his newborn to undergo undergo DNA tests as a part of standard procedure of registering their births in China. So in China, you actually have to do DNA tests, and they found out that the two twins have different daddies. Thank you very much, and that's not a good news story, but it's something different. Wow, that wow. is unbelievable to Look, hear something I'm, like that. I'm going to spin this for a good news story. At least one of them babies is yours. Good night, and tip your waitress. Sorry about that. And on that note, it's time for our final thoughts, Miss Kathleen. Final thoughts. I'm so glad you came to me first because I just have to comment on that last story. Oh, my bad. And then the other way around, right? And it was, you know, we were thinking that it might be two mamas instead of two daddies. Everybody was like, yeah. 
Yes.
like I said, it, it is it is disturbing, and I'm gonna try to find out some additional information. So again, thank you all for your prayers and well wishes. And uh, Miss Marianne, have never had an opportunity to see your wonderful pictures that Jay talks about, but uh, I, I am glad to see that you are back as a listener and. Um, Hopefully out of Italy, uh, but do take care to all, and I look forward to um, just seeing how, how my father's journey turned out. Thank you. God bless. God bless you as well, Johnny. Appreciate the kind words, and you know we're praying for your dad. And you, you and I definitely be talking offline. Appreciate it so much, uh, Jerome Spree, man. Final thoughts? Yeah, I'll, I'll try to make it a little quick. But um, prayers to Johnny D and his family. I, you know, I'm usually. Uh, it's usually tough for me to use words even over any kind of medium to kind of show how, um, you know, um, to, to give an accurate description on what my thoughts and prayers are. But I, I'll just say this to you behind your back. I send love and light and prayers to you and your family along with, um, you know, everyone on the, on the panel and with, with um, Kathleen going through what she's going through, LES and Jay. And, you know, everybody, Vanessa, I, I, you guys are always in my heart and my prayer. So I want to make sure I say that. And along with Mariana, I'm really glad that you're okay. We literally, if you heard the programs, we were kind of worried that we didn't hear from you because the last thing that we heard from you, we knew that you were in an area that was, was heavily struck by that. But I am glad that you're yep. okay as well. And um, and many blessings to you, and I'm glad you're you're fine. And and one thing I did not say too is for those of us who are old enough who used to watch Monday Night Football back in the days and all that, you know, Phyllis George passed, and Phyllis mm-hmm. George oh, yeah, wow. was one of those people. Yeah, she was one of those people who who I guess she was a was she Miss America? I know she was a. Yeah, so she was one of those people who, you know, in the days of only three state, you know, three stations in PBS on that we watch football. So, <laughs> much respect. Uh, all of us but Jay. Jay wasn't there. He was, he was a young child. He might have seen it on VHS or something later. But, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I'm just saying. I, I remember to... Phyllis George. Hey, I, I remember Phyllis George. With the high school water. You want the high school water? <laughs> oh no! Yeah, whatever. You're a funny dude. Yeah, everybody else with So, so so again, I just want to—I forgot to add that into my story. So, see you guys next week. All right, man. Take care. And the man that gets the first and last word, Mr. Les. Man, final thoughts. Look, uh, folks, um, Johnny, man, my heart goes out to you, man. I, I don't know what I would have done, would have done about this this time. So my, my brother, my prayers are with you, man. My love is with you and your family during this turbulent time, man. And, you know, man, I, I just pray your father just gets up and, and, and walks away from this thing, man, because it's nothing like having your parents there. Your parents there with you. But, man, you know, you're definitely in my prayers. And Mariana Music, thank God you're okay. Anytime, John. Mariana Music, thank God that you're okay because we all were definitely worried about you. And, you know, wow, what would the show be without you? Your family. So thank you for letting us know that you're okay. 
You know, I echo uh, the sentiments of my colleagues here, uh, my family members. Hey, using colleagues, that sounds so professional, but, uh, you know, we are here two hours every Sunday and some change to, uh, you know, voice our opinions, and we're lucky enough that there are people out there who are interested in our opinions, so we thank you for that. But I definitely want to make sure I let Johnny know that, uh, you know, man, you're in our thoughts and prayers, obviously, and uh, we're pulling for you. 2020 has been a tough year, and, folks, you know, you may think that, you know, we come here every, every Sunday morning and you know we laugh and talk and talk about the news and issues of the day but you know we deal with real life situations just like everybody else things that are affecting you are affecting some of us and so we're not immune to the trials and tribulations of bad leadership in Washington and so all we ask and all I ask is that you guys continue to pray for us as we continue to pray for you and we just hope that together as a country we can get through this going to be tough setting for a lot of people but uh, you know through the grace of God we would like to think that God has a plan and his will will be done and remember he's not going to put more on your shoulders that you can't handle and on that note Miss Delias if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff what time is it my friend it's time for the serious side of the J. Rouse show like Stephen F. Pastor, like our pastor says every Sunday, peace and blessings, family. We love you, and we hope that you stay safe, and we'll hope things turn soon to better days. So for Johnny, for Vanessa, for Kathleen, Jerome, and Ms. Delia, I'm Jay Rao. Have a great work week, and remember, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side. God bless, be safe, and we'll see you next week. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network.